This episode of the Mad Splainers is brought to you by Exact Sciences. Learn more about Exact Sciences' mission to beat cancer through early detection at exactsciences.com. Hello, everyone. It's Eric Lawrenson. I'm a reporter with the Cap Times and one of the hosts of The Mad Splainers, a show that breaks down local government and city affairs in Madison. We have a bit of a different episode for you today. Instead of Lisa, Abby, and myself talking it up in the studio, we're actually going to be bringing you a recording from Cap Times Idea Fest. This was a two day event that we held in late September on the University of Wisconsin Madison campus that brought together a bunch of politicians, activists, scholars, artists, community leaders into the same place to have conversations about current affairs, culture, and community. The panel discussion that you're about to hear was led by none other than Abby Becker. She talked with two analysts and the head of the statewide firefighters union about the future of fire departments in the state of Wisconsin. So without further ado, let's dive in. We'll start with some panelist introductions. Um, whatever order. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm all right with that. Yeah. Sure. Well, depending on what you say. <laughs> I just introduced myself. Oh, that's good. Um, I'm Mike Nichols. I'm, uh, I'm uh, from the Badger Institute, formerly known as uh, Wisconsin Policy Research Institute. We rebranded about uh, about a year ago. People thought we were people thought WPRI was a, a radio station in uh, Rhode Island. So. Um, uh, but over here in Madison, people actually thought that it was a bunch of right-wing ideologues. The truth is that um, we're a 501c3 um, nonprofit, and we're a public policy research group, um, pretty centrist um, from my perspective. Uh, so we do public policy, but we also have a magazine. Uh, big topics that we're interested in are you know, uh, taxation issues, transportation, corrections uh, reform, things like that. Um, but uh, we also have the magazine, and so we spent some time on government consolidation. Um, I'm interested in it partly because I was uh, long ago in a different life. I did what Abby does now. I was a uh, reporter at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, covered uh, local government, covered the city of Milwaukee for a long time, including uh, police and fire and everything else that local government does. Got very interested in uh, that issue of how that works. Um, so last uh, last uh, spring, we put out a piece um, in our magazine, which also was renamed, is called Diggings, on um, on how fire departments have been transformed in the last uh, 10 years, uh, 30 years, 40 years from what they used to do, and just kind of um, looking at the issue of um, how they differ from how they uh, used to be and whether or not uh, good decisions are being made about what firefighters do and how they're run and all the stuff they do other than fighting fires. So that's it. Great. Thank you. Malin? Uh, my name is Malin Mitchell. I am a 20-year uh, uh, veteran firefighter right here in the city of Madison. Um, I'm a lieutenant downtown at station number one. Um, I'm a, I uh, also am the president of the Professional Firefighters of Wisconsin. We represent over 4,000 members in the state, uh, about 60 locals and uh, 100 communities. I'm also the local president here of Madison's Firefighters Local 311. We represent Madison proper, then uh, 
communities and suburbs that are contiguous to Madison. Uh, so I've been involved uh, in the fire service since I was 19 years old. Uh, my older brother is a firefighter in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, my younger brother is a firefighter in St. Paul, Minnesota. So it's in my blood uh, to give back. And it's, it's, our, it's in our blood to serve. And I'm looking forward to the discussion today because uh, this is a, a hot topic, at least in our world and at least in government world right now, uh, with um, not a lot of money going by way of shared revenue, um, municipal budgets being strapped. Um, a big question is how to how do municipalities, towns, and villages um, properly pay for essential services in our state and across the country. Um, of course, public safety is probably 60 to 70 percent of any municipality's budget, so uh, we, we talk about this a lot. So I, I'm happy to be here, happy to be sitting here with these fine folks, and I uh, look forward to a, a vigorous discussion. Uh, hi, my name is David Amenta. I'm a government researcher, um, <clears throat> and I've, ha I've had a 15-year career in local government and county government uh, in California and also for Milwaukee County, basically budget and policy, those kinds of issues. Um, since I um, finished that uh, um, period of my career, I've been um, focusing with the Wisconsin Policy uh, Institute on um, uh, research into things like uh, consol service consolidations, um, uh, various other issues, mostly fiscally oriented. Um, and I've done um, a number of studies on dispatch consolidation in various localities and have looked at um, consolidation of fire, fire departments and fire services. Um, and I also, in 2015, decided to run uh, for office in the village of Shorewood and was elected to the village board in 2015 and again in 2018. And Shorewood is uh, one of the seven, I believe, members of the North Shore Fire District. So, I, so in addition to studying them, I have the um, interesting perspective of being one of the members of, of a consolidated fire district and um, the largely pros of that experience. So, um, yeah, well, thanks again for you guys for being here. Uh, we really do appreciate it. So as is, um, you know, sort of have, has been said, um, modern fire departments aren't just responding um, you know, to fires. Their firefighters are increasingly showing up for medical and rescue emergencies. Um, but even with increasing needs, additional adding additional resources is often not feasible due to budget constraints and levy limit restrictions of, of municipal governments. So I want to start with Malin. Um, so we're talking about firefighting. Um, so could you, you know, really sort of set the stage for us here as, you know, as to what firefighters are dealing with on a daily basis, um, what are fire departments dealing with? Um, you know, kind of what are you seeing, you know, on, on a daily basis on your job? And you mean by way of calls we go on and things that we see on a day-to-day -day functional basis? You mean. Yeah, broadly, okay. and then, but specifically also on calls and whether you know you're seeing any sort of trends as far as um, fire-specific calls or the medical, you know, emergency type of calls. Yeah, well, there's there's no uh, a doubt that our job is more complex and more dangerous than ever. And I say that because um, when you just talk about firefighting specifically, um, things burn faster, uh, they're hotter, um, and our response times are, are not living up to what we are seeing. Um, building construction has changed to where people try to put up homes as quick as they can. They try to put up uh, buildings and commercial uh, venues as quick as they can. And with that, of course, that comes uh, cheap building materials, and trying to get the job done faster and quicker. 
Unfortunately, that, that endangers firefighters in doing our main job. And, and a lot of what we do is fighting fires. So fires are burning hotter, quicker. So our technology has to change. Our tactics has to change. But, you know, firefighting has never been just about going and put the wet stuff on the hot stuff, even though at the end of the day, we still do that. Um, we respond, you look at just um, in Charlottesville, Virginia, and what they went through in just 18 days. They had a plane that crashed in, in the county that they all had to respond to um, in a wooded area that was uh, very hard to uh, find debris, find um, uh, souls and passengers on the plane. Um, they had to respond to the white supremacists, um, um, protests same, uh, in, within that 18 months. Um, a train derailment, when uh, Republicans were going from D.C. through Virginia, there was a train derailment that we all heard about. Um, they also had to respond to their normal circumstance, their normal EMS calls, uh, pipes freezing. They had uh, floods that came when the spring came. So all in 18 months, they had to respond to a wide a range of calls. And if you look at right here in the city of Madison, uh, in Dane County, we just had... Um, a week and a half ago, a week ago, where we had an active shooter. Uh, the first people to respond to that are firefighters and police officers, of course. Um, we had the torrential range where we had flooding in the city of Madison. The first people to respond to that was the fire department. Uh, we're, we're, and we're, we're training lake rescue and swift water techniques. Uh, we're right here on campus in the chemistry building when they're doing their um, uh, experiments or their research. When they mix bad chemicals together and they realize they should get out of the building, well, when they call 911, who comes? It's the fire department. Um, when you have um, the caves up north or when you had the explosions that happened on Sun Prairie where we lost a brother, Corey Barr, a captain, um, the reason he lost his life in line of duty was because they called 911 and the fire department responded. And they were evacuated over 100 people uh, to safety. And, of course, the explosion from the gas um, being in the air, of course, uh, took his life. So what we respond to is not just fires. You know, I've read the article. It's, uh, there's a lot of some good stuff in there. And there's been a lot of articles written about, well, fire departments don't just respond to fires. Well, we never just did. Um, and our job's more complex because we are responding to more than just fires. Active shooter training, uh, EMS, of course, is 80% of our job. Um, the question is always asked of me, and this is tongue-in-cheek, but have I taken a cat out of a tree? Well, actually, I have. <laughs> How did that go, and what was the cat's name? <laughs> what was the cat's name? The, the cat actually scratched the hell out of me. <laughs> That's why I'm glad I'm an officer now. I don't have to do that. I can tell someone else to go up and get that cat out of the tree. But I'll be honest with you. I actually had, we had a call where I was a firefighter, and we had to take a, we got a call, 911, of course. Um, an elderly or senior um, called and said, I hear something on my roof. And she knew, she knew it wasn't an intruder. It was actually a raccoon. And we went up there, and actually my, the lieutenant at the time went up there, grabbed the raccoon, took him off the roof, scurried him along. But my point is, in all seriousness, is that firefighters, we, we are about emergency response. And we respond when a lot of times I like to say it, and some of you have heard me say it before, uh, the people on the worst days of their lives. And when people are at their worst, we have to be at our best. So we have heavy urban rescue teams. We have lake rescue teams. Uh, we have the hazardous, hazardous material teams. But at the end of the day, we are a catch-all for emergency response. And uh, you need adequate staffing, and you need adequate training for that. So it costs money, but 
Uh, in the long run, you don't want to gamble or, or roll the dice with people's lives. And I think that could be sort of a disconnect with the public. I think a lot of people, you know, see a fire truck, fire engine racing down the street and think they're responding to a fire. But as you've just described, responding to a lot of other types of emergencies. Yeah. Um, I wanted to jump to to Mike. And so you both have mentioned um, the recent article. I was hoping um, you could sort of summarize the findings of that sure. report investigation and sort of what then your main takeaways are from uh, that data. Just, uh, sure. And I just wanted to say up front, it all starts with great respect for what firefighters do, what Mailon does, and uh, what, what all firefighters do. I had firefighters in my family. My grandfather was, uh, was a firefighter. I've had some uncles who are firefighters and um, have, have you know, great respect and um, appreciate the, the service. Um, so, you know, we do public policy, and I think the big, the big picture is that, you know, population in the United States since 1977 has gone up about 40 percent. Um, the number of structure fires, and you know, we're talking about larger structures. I think not, uh, you know, not garage fires, but the number of structure fires has gone down in that same period of time, approximately 57 percent, almost 60 percent, and the number of deaths has gone down. This is across the United States, almost the same amount. So that is that is that is a credit uh, largely to what firefighters do. They've been. In, extremely successful with what they do. I mean, it's also it's also the result of fire. I, I don't doubt that fires burn faster, but uh, there's also the fact that um, many building materials don't burn quite the way that they used to. Maybe you disagree with that, but I think zoning codes and uh, response systems and the way that, uh, and, you know, new building materials have really brought down the number of, of structure fires. I mean, it's just a fact across the United States and, and the number of deaths. So you look at, um, you know, what has happened with personnel and dollars and uh, fire departments. And it's, it's a very complex thing because the Madison Fire Department is completely different from suburban fire departments. You know, 80% of fire departments are, are volunteer in this state. Another 12% are partially volunteer. There's only probably 6% or 7% that are like Madison that are uh, fully staffed and completely, completely fully staffed. So I think, you know, as we talk, there's, you know, it's, you have to be careful to kind of parse that and differentiate between smaller places and bigger places. But, uh, you know, I mean, I'm happy to get into all the details of, you know, what's in the article. But that was the, that was the reason for it. As we look at public policy, we hear people at the local government level um, across the state say, you know, um, as with any part of government, you have to look at it and decide whether the money is spent well and whether it's efficient. And it's sometimes tougher, actually, to look at, at um, you know, police and fire departments because, um, hey, it's, it's tough. We, we, love, we love our firefighters and our police officers, and for good reason, because they are heroes. Um, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't scrutinize the way that money is spent and the way that fire departments have changed and as they transition really to um, you know, largely medical service providers, uh, whether it's done the best way in a, in a variety of different places, because there's government, there's private sector, and there's, and there's volunteer. And I think we have to make sure we have the right mix of, of, those, um, of, those, of those services. So uh, that's, that's, the, um, you know, that's, the, that's the big picture of, of why we looked at it. Happy to talk about, you know, the, the, some details as well. Yeah, we can definitely dive in. I've got a question for David, uh, and then I've got some more for the group as a whole. Um, so I wanted to ask you, you know, what major trends, if any, are you seeing you know, municipalities take in terms of um, how they provide public safety resources, you know, like, um, like fire departments? Um, you know, is anything coming up 
that you're seeing more often than not? Well, I think what Malon was saying about there's really a revenue squeeze, <clears throat> I think, everywhere. And um, a lot of times uh, municipalities are looking at, well, can we go to our neighbor to the north or the east or the west or south and, and share services? Is that going to save us money? Um, and it's a natural question. It's one we look at quite a bit. And it's complicated. You know, sometimes it, sometimes you may be able to show on a spreadsheet that it saves money, but um, fire departments that are right next door to each other can have very different cultures from each other, can have different tactics when they get to a fire, can have very different union contracts. So um, it, it, service consolidation is actually um, a lot trickier than many people think. Um, certainly, I, I don't think um, ex expansion is is in the cards. And as Mike said, you know, the fire component is is a smaller and smaller part. At the same time, when your house is burning, you know, you still need a fire station. Depending on where you live, you know, you'd like within 10 minutes a fire truck maximum in an urban area. I think the expectation is a lot shorter that that the fire department's going to be there and helping you. So. Um, so there's a certain geographic component to it. You know, you cannot stretch fire stations out too far away or they just won't be able to respond. And even though the need for response for fire has lessened, um, it's still, you still want to have that base of fire protection there. So I don't know, I kind of rambled. I'm not sure if I gave you a very good yeah, answer. No, no, that's great. Thank you. So a, a major question that I wanted to just sort of throw out there for you guys is, um, you know, are fire departments morphing into EMS agencies? And if so, I mean, what are the ramifications of that? Uh, yes, um, absolutely. I'm very interested in what my the other the other panelists would say about this but but yes I mean I I've written and uh, not you know and and seriously in some ways that fire departments maybe shouldn't even be called fire departments often nowadays because we think of them that way but you look across the state and only in most in most departments only between one percent and maybe three and a half or four percent of calls are actually for for fires or or smoke in any in any way, and those are just those are just the facts. I mean, in some places, it's it's one percent, um, and even among those those fires, um, many of those are not structure fires. They're uh, and it's not it's not to say they don't have to be responded to. They do. I mean, if you if you have a garage fire or or a trash fire or a or a fire in a field, it, it it's a fire. It has to be responded to, but it's only. You know, but but real structure fires where there's a genuine threat to life, um, you know, much less than one percent or even three percent of the calls that come in, and I, I don't I don't I, I might have the number in Madison. I'm not sure what it is, but um, this is across the entire state. So, uh, the, so almost everything that they do is not is not fire related. It's not to say it isn't important. It is. It's largely a response to uh, medical emergencies or or medical non-emergencies, and then. You know all the other things that Malin uh, mentioned, but 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 mostly, but mostly not fires. Anyone else want to jump in on that one? Well, I mean, a lot of departments are transitioning to call themselves fire and EMS departments, right? Even unions are are changing their names to fire and paramedic. Um, um, associations, but well, who cares what you call? I mean, you can call it whatever the hell you want to call it. I mean, call it 
Madison Emergency Response Division. I don't care what you call it, it's what we do and what we need to be adequately staffed to do our job. So I think what gets lost in translation is people want to sit and, and look at data and budget-driven um, and, and quantifying their budget based upon how many fires we respond to. Well, there's nobody, at least I'm not, and I don't think you'll see a lot of fire chiefs or union uh, officials saying that, well, we're just talking about fires. I mean, I, I actually still work on I actually work at the firehouse tomorrow at 7 a.m., you can come and ride with me, and you, and you can see what we actually do um, from 7 a.m. to 7 a.m. Monday. And I, I don't go in thinking I'm going to always fight the big blaze, but I'm trained to do everything else we do when someone calls 911. I mean, you can sit around and talk about statistics and look at um, numbers, but I actually, we actually get on the fire truck and do the job. So I can tell you when your ass is on the line who you want there. You want a firefighter or paramedic or emergency responder or first responder that is well-equipped, well-trained, and actually able to do the job to save your ass. And that's what we actually do. I mean, and we, we, we actually are in the business of saving lives. So we get irritated sometimes, and chiefs do it. I'm not talking about Mike. I'm talking about as a whole in the state. We get irritated sometimes when we have the discussion of, well, firefighters don't really fight fire, so in turn, what the next, the caveat to our follow-up was that, well, we can have less of them. Well, no, it's not true. Um, you, there's, there's industry standards, NFPA, NIST studies that have said, how many folks do we need to go to a fire? How many folks do we need to go to an emergency medical response? How many folks do we need at, at extrication? You get in a car accident. You can't get out of your car. Well, who do you call? You don't call police. You, you call the fire department. Now, we're called the fire department because historically that's what we've been called. But I don't, I mean, I'm not into what you want to call it. I just know the job and what it entails and the money we need in order to do our jobs effectively and the, and the bodies and people we need to, to make sure that we take care of the community. I mean, I think that kind of the next step in the argument of, well, are they really fire, are they really EMS is, well, could we look at privatizing the EMS side? You know, the problem with that is, like I said, you still need to have the fire department there. So, and fire departments are not cheap. You need someone, you need guys there ready to jump on a truck and, and you need before most, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I've heard from other chiefs is they, they to really start uh, fighting a fire, you need 12 to 13 guys there. You need an ambulance, you need a, a pumper truck, you need a, a variety of different trucks. So if you don't have a standing fire department with people on duty at that time and you go to like a paid on call model, you know, you're waiting at three in the morning for everyone to get to the station and get out to the fire. If you didn't, I'm saying if you separated EMS and just did fire alone. So, you know, that, that gets to be either a very inefficient model or very expensive. Um, um, so I, I think there's a problem with that. I did want to say, too, on the other hand, um, North Shore Fire has been talked a couple of times about the paramedics um, acting almost as uh, looking at the, the patients who are the high flyers who are, who are calling frequently for a ride to the hospital and having the paramedics kind of um, proactively visiting, almost like visiting nurses used to do. And having, so I think, and I thought that was really interesting for the fire department to start looking at as part of the healthcare delivery system and how can 
the um, paramedics um, and even the EMTs fit, you know, find a different role within the overall healthcare system that's A, going to reduce their costs for, for pickup and ambulance and transport, and B, reduce hospitalization costs because someone's getting preventive care in their home. Uh, or like maybe you're just discharged from the hospital and you're alone. Um, have, you know, if a paramedic comes by and says, is everything okay? How's your dressing? Um, so I thought that was a really interesting idea and a really innovative to look at um, the EMS services that fire departments are providing in the whole system of healthcare delivery. And, and just to follow up with that, that's the mobile integrated healthcare plan, um, community paramedics, which we worked on as a state association, as a union, uh, this past three to four years and just get past this past session. And essentially it's firefighters, uh, EMTs, paramedics going into homes and doing home health care checks uh, for those individuals that have been discharged from the hospitals and those that are, uh, for lack of a better term, frequent flyers um, that call uh, the 911 system uh, daily, quite frankly. Uh, so we actually have here in the city of Madison across the state uh, what are called community paramedics where we have civilians and some uh, members that actually go into homes, uh, set appointments, and do home health care checks and talk to our community and those that keep calling 911 about, um, are, are you taking your medication? Do you understand your, your discharge orders? Do you know what you need to do to not have to call 911? And again, that's, that's what, we're, we're a partner in this. I mean, um, you talk about having less fires, and it's true, building construction has changed. Um, but a lot of that is because of what the fire department and its members have done by way of fire prevention uh, techniques and tactics to actually prevent less fires. I mean, we are the only one of the only, uh, I would say, entities or, or, or businesses, if, if you will, that try to put themselves out of business because we realize less fires is less people being hurt in the community. And ultimately, that's what we want. I mean, I would hope never, no one in this room ever would have to actually dial 911. But that's actually the business we have. So when we try to do the right thing, and that is um, make sure that homes, new, new construction has sprinklers, uh, and has uh, firewalls and fire rated walls, and that we can prevent less fires so that we can in turn have less people being hurt. Uh, we also, funny thing is we get gigged on the back end of that because they're saying, well, we need less firefighters because you're not fighting as many fires. So, so yes, there's no doubt that, I mean, when, when an emergency happens, whether it's a fire or another type of emergency that would require a firefighter, I mean, we want, residents want you guys to show up <laughs> on time and help us, right? Um, but, but I mean, cities and municipalities are still dealing with, you know, budget constraints and, um, you know, fiscal challenges. So um, I guess, you know, a, a big question there is then, you know, are, are there any strategies that can make, you know, municipalities more efficient in dealing with, you know, fire, uh, you know, fire service um, and, you know, EMS service, um, you know, and kind of on the flip side too, and this would be, I guess, more directly for Maylin, are you seeing the fire department, you know, ex experience any, you know, fiscal challenges and, you know, is there anything that you would want municipalities to provide the fire department? So kind of a twofold question there. Would you guys handle that one? Well, this is without getting too political. I'll try. We can be a little, a little political. <laughs> okay, good, because I was going to get political, actually. I mean, having the state um, have 0% levy increases is not sustainable. It just isn't. And not just for public safety, but for essential services for any municipality. It's just not sustainable at all. And um, I pay taxes. I, I, I know people don't necessarily like paying taxes, but government costs money. And if we want a uh, sustainable 
a, a, a good run government is going to cost money. Um, so having 0% level of increases is really, and share revenue being cut and staying at the levels from the 90s, it's really hurt uh, municipalities. And, I, and, I'll, and we're a partner with mayors, um, with uh, village administrators and city councils to try to find a way to um, proactively lower costs. And consolidation is not a bad word. We, I, we, we as we, meaning the, the professional firefighters of Wisconsin, we were on a consolidation panel. Um, North Shore is, is a great example, but consolidation doesn't always save money. It's about actually providing, hopefully, a better service uh, to the community because it's going to cost money. The fire department is not cheap. I'm not here saying the fire departments are cheap, but if you if you look at per capita what every person in a community pays for their fire service, uh, then it is pretty cheap. You don't become a firefighter to become rich. The average salary of a firefighter starting out is $46,000 a year. So there's not firefighters sitting around just thinking, just collecting paychecks and making it rain. It's just not happening. Um, so, you know, we're not against consolidation, but consolidation in the right way. And we're always for trying to uh, work in conjunction with the town administrator, uh, the chief, on how we can better serve our community, but doing it in an effective and efficient way and not giving up service, but also trying to uh, save money. Uh, just, you know, a couple things. Um, one is the issue of what firefighters do, and they do a lot of various things that need to be done and are appropriately, I think, done by firefighters. Um, and then there's the bigger issue of, of money and why fire, why municipalities need more of it um, for, for public services. So, um, you know, it, just an observation. I mean, to me, yes, firefighters, wholly appropriate that firefighters should be doing inspections, building inspections. Who better to make sure that, you know, the sprinklers are working and that, you know, um, that alarms are, are working. Now, whether firefighters are the best people to do home health care checks, I would say that's a more debatable point. Are firefighters the best the best ones to be doing that versus someone else, either inside or outside of government. The big, the big picture thing on revenue is, and I don't, I just, I don't know much about the Madison Fire Department. Madison's a kind of a unique place because, I mean, first of all, Madison has grown since 1980. I think, I think about 40 percent. So Madison is an economic engine. It's huge. It's growing in population, and so. Ex wholly appropriately, I would imagine, the, the department has grown, I think, by about, I think at least according to our statistics, by about 75 positions. And I wouldn't argue that that's probably wrong. I don't know what you guys do every day. It's just one municipality. But Madison is a, is a growing place. Um, and I don't know enough about your budget, but but you get, you get fire departments and mayors in other parts of the state who do make the argument that there's not enough revenue flowing. And Milwaukee is the one that I probably know the most about. The major reason there actually has to do with pension benefits, and these are decisions that were made years and years and years ago, not being funded the right way, um, or uh, pension issues that you know that that are much more generous than maybe they are even for what you might have today. I don't know what you have, but. The issue in Milwaukee, for instance, that you obviously hear Tom Barrett talking about is we need much more revenue, we need much more shared revenue, or we need to be able to levy a local sales tax at the city level, which you can't do in Wisconsin. 
Uh, I'm not espousing those, but that's what his argument is. Because they nowadays have to kick in $60 million a year to cover pension costs and benefit costs for firefighters and police, that, that, you, that, number, that number used to be zero when I covered City Hall you know, 20, 25 years ago. So um, it's not just about us, you know, having to find ways to pay for what firefighters are doing today. There's a, there are a lot of other things that, you know, we need to find a way to pay for or we need to cut back on. Well, and just to follow up with that, when you yeah. talk about pension benefits, I mean, yep. you're talking about a city that's taken holidays of paying in. If they would have actually paid the appropriate benefit. You're talking about Milwaukee? Yes. Yeah. If they would have actually taken the appropriate benefit and actually paid what appropriate action actually paid into the pension, um, the dollar that the employer was supposed to pay, even when times were good, because what would happen is with pension benefits is employers would take holidays and not pay because things are going so well. Well, when the economic downturn started, they, they, they then again, then, then they had an unfunded liability. Whereas the state of Wisconsin, where past they tried to do that, they can't do that way. Yeah, are so, you part of the WRS? I am, but I'm, yeah. a, I'm a statewide president, so yeah. I understand oh, that okay. county and city pension okay. as well. And, and, and if, if we is, get is, into pension stuff, we could be here. But it is an important issue. It's a big factor when you start talking about Yeah, but it's huge. But it's huge for the school district and for a lot of cities. But it's also, don't blame the employee for the employer not making the required contributions they were supposed to make when times were good. I, I just wanted to give the perspective of a, a different, a really small town um, in um, Kenosha County that I'm working with. Like, I think they only have about um, 1,500 people in this town. And they have two guys day shift who are like EMTs and, and will run out in an amp. That's their only like regular um, employees. Everyone else is, the bell rings, it's paid on call and people rush to the station. <clears throat> and one of the supervisors for the town he goes, it just drives me crazy that those guys are sitting there all day doing nothing, <laughs> you know, because it's, I mean, because they're sitting there waiting for a call to come in. And it's like, I just, you know, it, I just, it just gives an insight into, you know, this issue of a lot of times people look at the fire department and like, well, they're, you know, the guys are just, you know, they're off at the grocery store. They're doing some, well, they have to be there. That's the protection. But, it, you know, it, uh, uh, there's sort of this sense like, gee, why aren't they, you know, why aren't they doing something? some other job, you know, so so as for the paramedic, I don't remember the exact name of the program, but, you know, that paramedic program is an opportunity for um, there to be less time where someone's waiting for a call. In Madison or Milwaukee, you probably aren't waiting very long, but in the rest of the state, you know, this place has like 300 calls a year, you know, so he's, so it's frustrating to feel like you're paying for employees to sit there for 300 calls a year, so. Well, and there, there's not... I don't disagree. I started out as a paid-on-call um, firefighter, and there, I'm, I'm not saying that every city in this state or every municipality needs to have a full career fire department. And if I could just jump in on this note, could one of you guys just explain sort of the different staffing models? We talked about paid-on-call, volunteer, so just for everyone, for all our own understanding, if you could just kind of jump in and explain that. So a career firefighter is someone who does it um, as a career. They call them professionals. I like to use the word career because they do it. That's their main job. So we work between uh, 48-hour work week to up to 56-hour work week around the state, depending what municipality you're in. And normally it's your large, larger urban centers that have those. So uh, the city of Madison, for instance, we work a 48-hour work week. Uh, it's 24-hour shifts, though. So we, we come in, like tomorrow I'll go in at 7 a.m., and I don't leave till 7 a.m. On, on Monday. 
uh, paid on call or a combination department or paid on premise is like where I live in Fitchburg, where we have some career firefighters, I think about 20 who we represent, and they'll have 40 paid on call firefighters actually come in and uh, back up or backfill the career firefighters. And then there are some, we have about 770 fire departments in the state of Wisconsin. Um, and there are some that are still, not many, that are still fully volunteers, where they actually um, don't get paid for what they get paid for their training, their equipment, but they actually don't get paid when they go on calls. They're just a full functioning volunteer. Those, they're very rare in our state. Um, there's only a couple of 100% volunteer uh, fire departments in our state. Is that because it's hard to recruit volunteers to be doing this? It's getting, yes, it's getting harder uh, because they actually have to, a lot of times, keep up with the same EMT uh, training uh, and continuing education that we have to as career as well. And it's obviously easier, quite frankly, for us to do it because we're on the job and doing the training uh, every day. But I think that, you know, the paid on call model, the districts I'm working with now are having trouble re recruiting um, paid on call. And I think part of it is that um, the the generation today is different from 20 or 30 years ago. I mean, for one thing, young people have a lot more debt, and a lot of them are working a lot more jobs. There's just not the leisure time to say, I'm going to, you know, volunteer or, be pay or go through the training to be paid on call for 12 bucks an hour or whatever you get paid when you get called in. Um, and uh, people have a lot more things they're interested in doing. I mean, there's not as many people doing bowling leagues and, and that kind of thing. So I think that that is going to increasingly be an issue for districts that rely on paid on call. I mean, that's the one I think we all, I think we have a lot of commonality here, on, particularly on this issue. Um, there's no doubt that the big pictures, there's a, there's a quite a famous book by now called Bowling Alone, and people are much less apt to volunteer uh, for anything in, in society, un, un, unfortunately. Um, but it's just, it is a reality, and that's what our, you know, I guess reporters found as well, that, I mean, it's fine for me or anyone to sit up here and say, oh, we should, we try to do more volunteer, but the reality is that it, it is very hard. Uh, it's very hard to find to find volunteers, and it's um, I don't know how much of it is due to debt versus um, societal trends uh, and whatnot. But you know, there's a story in here about the Grafton. The Grafton uh, fire chief makes that point, and um, that you know he, he says he says people are are more apt to be out snowmobiling on the river on the Milwaukee River in Grafton than. Uh, than volunteering, um, it, it might be they have more financial obligations. I don't know, but but it's it's definitely you know it's it's definitely an issue. So we're a little over halfway through, so I wanted to make sure to get some to some questions from the audience. So um, this first one here is a is a two part question, um, and it is: What are the advantages and disadvantages of having a combined fire and EMS department versus separate departments? Um, and then the second the second part is: What are the key factors in a successful fire district shared among municipalities? Yeah, you know, one thing about fire departments is they have, um, and firemen in general, have a tremendous sense of uh, helping each other out, and, and they, the technical term is mutual aid. Um, and, and frequently they're all, they all are listening on the same radio, so one department will hear that something's happening, and, and um, they may have automatic aid, which means they, multiple departments will respond automatically, or there may be a mutual aid system, and they almost always respond and help each other out. So 
you know, consolidation. So in effect, when there's a fire, you may have five, and you'll see that, you know, you'll see in more rural areas, like five different fire trucks responding to something. Um, so to consolidate, where they're already working that closely together, um, you know, what does consolidation bring? I mean, it does bring um, certain intangible benefits. Um, you know, you have a larger scale of an organization. Um, you have more ability to do things like more organized training, um, planning, um, looking towards the future, financial planning, um, those sorts of things. So there are some benefits. Um, I, you know, I'll just say as a, 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 you know, as a disadvantage, for the village, speaking for the village of Shorewood, I mean, the North Shore Fire's been there for 20 years, so at this point, you know, we look at the North Shore Fire as our fire department. You know, we don't still miss having Village of Shorewood fire trucks, but, um, you know, the North Shore Fire also says to us, this is how much costs are going up, 3%, and, you know, we're trying to piece our budget together, and we don't have a choice. It's not like we could say to them, like I could say to the Public Works Department, you may not get that dump truck you want next year. I don't have a choice when it comes to what the North Shore Fire is asking for. So, you know, it's, um, I mean, I would say 95%, it's been a positive, it's been a financial benefit to Shorewood to have consolidation, but it, you are a little more in a straitjacket. Can I take a stab at this, Malin? Or Certainly. I'd be interested in your comments on it. But I think, again, you have to kind of parse this between a place like Madison or Milwaukee and the rest of the state. Um, and so you can see this just kind of common sense that uh, in a place like Madison, I mean, you certainly have to have firefighters. A lot of them, and it has to be staffed, and thank God there's not a fire every day. So, you know, and they're paid, and uh, they're not paid that much, and let's use them efficiently and effectively. And so you can kind of see that. That's the, that's the benefit of having firefighters trained as uh, emergency responders. And then there's the whole other issue of, you know, is, does a private ambulance service make sense? And it maybe it does in some places and not in others. But I think to look at the flip side of it, you get into some smaller areas. And we have, there's a story in here, and I actually did a column in here where I just sort of out of the, I just, I called Pesh to go because, you know, for no other reason that the famous, you know, fire in the, in the 19th century. I said, oh, I don't know, you know, what's, I don't you know. Special only has like 3,000 people, but I thought, hey, what the heck, I'll call up there. And, and it turns out to be an interesting story. They, they have a volunteer, you know, a fire department there. But there's also a very successful, this is one of these places in America where people do still volunteer, and they have an ERS, um, fully volunteer um, service that serves Peshtigo and also um, Menominee and, um, and Maranette, well, Menominee, Michigan, not um not Wisconsin, but not in Michigan, in Marinette, Wisconsin, it's all up there in that same little area. So they have a volunteer ERS service that serves everybody. And then they also have um, local governments in sort of Marinette, um, in, in Marinette at least, and probably in Menominee, um, where, where, where you have to have, you have to have at least some fully, fully paid and staffed, you know, firefighters, right? And so, it, and so it's an interesting story. Um, they're lucky because they do, they are able to raise their own money, sort of a, you know, civil society thing, right? Like they, people do volunteer, they are able to raise money there. Um, but still they are, um, they, there are calls where they have three different um, entities responding to uh, a medical service call. And I'm, I, I have no idea if this happens anywhere on the fringes of Madison or not, but it does happen in some smaller towns. And there's a better way. There is a better way to do it. And one of the folks on the board of the ERS, I asked him, and there's a quote in here. Well, you know, Marinette is actually expanding this, the service area of where they 
where they respond, you know, to um, to medical calls, and the calls are tiered, you know, and they and and uh, he, and his response was is that well, you know, we think that they need more to do, and uh, so I think there are some areas where you know you have to take a close look at how many entities do we need, what's government, what's volunteer, what's private sector. So there are there are times when maybe it does not make sense for government to do all of them, particularly in uh, in smaller areas. Uh, it may well make complete sense in Madison. So I so that's my kind of twofold response. Well, even if you go outside, I mean, not too far from Madison, we represent um, Fitchburg and Verona firefighters, right, and their fire departments. Um, but there's a lot of models out there, like Fitch Rona EMS is a EMS, standalone EMS, we call them third service paramedics. They're a standalone EMS system. Uh, they're also represented by us, where they uh, just do EMS for Verona and Fitchburg. And... Um, Verona obviously has some um, rural areas in the town of Verona um, that they have to respond to as well. So there's, I, I grew up in Delavan, Wisconsin, which is somewhat of a rural area. We had a volunteer fire department there, completely volunteer fire department, and that served us well. Um, but places like Verona or Fitchburg, where you're growing exponentially and in, in, in buildings and homes are going up, it seems daily every time you drive somewhere, you have to have people in the station to respond when that bell goes off. I mean, you can always gamble with, hey, maybe we won't have a lot of calls this year. Well, that's fine, but what if you do? And, and, what, if, and what if, I mean, if, if the crap does hit the fan and you need the response? So I get in trouble even times, sometimes when I say this, that you know, we don't always get paid for what we do. We get paid for what we might have to do. Uh, not a whole hell of a lot a lot of times. So um, I'm not here just advocating for a full career department in every municipality or every village or city in, in the state of Wisconsin. But what I'm saying is every um, community and state, in my opinion, deserves a well-equipped and well-staffed department for emergency medical response, which means that it looks different everywhere. The North Shore model it probably could work in Dane County. It probably could work in Milwaukee County. But there's no way it's going to work in um, Adams County, other places. I mean, there, we, there are a lot of places that try to do and save as much money as they can by um, combining service. We have a statewide program, Mavis. We, we participate in a mutual aid box alarm system where we have other departments that have numbers when they're called based upon the acuity of the call. Uh, that they come into other municipalities, automatic aid and mutual aid. So we do work well together, and we do uh, actually uh, work with a lot of uh, departments uh, across the state that work together and train together, so that we can save money and have cost savings for municipalities. I think there, you know, but but there 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 are times though when you do need when you do need a cut when a department appropriately can or should be cut. And this like, is like when, like in Milwaukee, <laughs> like in Milwaukee. In the so past, you think the six like fire stations being cut is a good idea? Yeah. Well, um, it's actually in the past two budget cycles there have been cuts, and they've been somewhat substantial. And I know that the union came back there and said to the to a pretty a pretty liberal progressive mayor Tom Barrett that you know people's lives are on the line and you can't do that. But I haven't uh, but I haven't seen um, a lot of evidence that that wasn't the proper. Uh, decision. There is only so much money. You do have to look at numbers at some point. 
Um, that's not in any way besmirching what firefighters do, but uh, you do have to look at positions and numbers at some point. You know, Madison's if we, different. If we, Madison's different. Madison's not different. Madison's not well, different. Yeah, because we, no, because it's all public safety. And at the end of the day, if we don't have enough folks on the fire engine or the ambulance to take care of ourselves, then we can't take care of the community. So yeah, but, it's easy to say, again, you're rolling dice saying you haven't seen anything yet. So when that big conglomerate happens and they say, well, this is because of four fire, five, six fire stations that have been cut. So when Brady Street goes up or something happens and there's another responding, another responding engine that comes into Brady Street because that station's closed, and then something happens in that community, then, then you will say that, well, maybe we shouldn't have closed those six fire stations. No, you won't say that. You'll say, well, things happen. But, We're sorry. But, but, but Milwaukee is different. Thank you, firefighters. Yeah, but Milwaukee is different from Madison in that Madison's grown, you know, 40 or, you know, or 50% since 1980. Milwaukee, believe it or not, the population actually gone down. It's actually gone down 6% since 1980. And so, and, and, and but, the number of fires and, um, and, and deaths has gone down as well. A credit to firefighters. So it's not... I think it's not inappropriate to examine whether or not we can uh, spend less in some instances and, and scale back. You can always spend less. There, there, we have standards where there is a certain amount of time where a fire engine from its fire station is supposed to get to anywhere in their territory within, we try to do within four minutes, five minutes is somewhat the norm. Um, so yeah, you can close down a fire station. You can say, well, we'll get there reasonably within eight minutes. But if it were your mother, your grandmother, I don't think you would want them to be there for eight minutes. I think you would want the four minutes. Um, it, no, it's, it's no, it's easy. It's easy to talk anecdotally. Um, no, it's and, real. And make it and make it's it personal. Not, but it's you not also, personal. But you also have it's, to look at dollars we, and numbers. What we do is personal. If it were your mother, your grandmother, your child, if you have one on the floor bleeding out, would you want them there within eight minutes or you want them there within four minutes? If it were my mother, of course I'd want him there in four Right, minutes. so that's, 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 the, re that's, want, that's want, the reality I'd that we, that's there, the reality we deal yeah, with. I'd want somebody there in 30 seconds. Right, so you should have a fire station. I agree, some more fire stations. <laughs> <laughs> well, and these same arguments came up in, in Madison, and I think in the last year's budget cycle um, for a fire station. Um, I, I, an alder made sort of the same argument, um, that, that personal argument, because what firefighters do deal with is very personal. Right? We're it is personal. It's not, and, see, people's. it's easy to sit behind a computer and, and put numbers together and talk and talk about anecdotes, but it's not easy to actually get on a fire truck and actually go do the job. Well, and that's exactly and anyone, think, he, anyone that says, you know, those firefighters aren't doing anything, well, everyone in this room, for the most part, can put in for that job and have it. Everyone. And you come in and see what we actually do, and I will guarantee you, majority of people will get off that job and off that fire rig and find something else to do, because it is not easy. And we are not sitting around the fire station doing nothing. Uh, we are not just sitting around waiting for a call. We don't do that. Now we eat, yes, because you want us to eat. I think you want us to have our strength. We go to the store. By the way, we pay for our own meals. We throw in our own money to pay for our meals. And yes, we do have time to have downtime because you want your firefighters and paramedics well rested when they come try to save your life but it's or also, your family's it's, life. It's also not personal, though. It's not about me or my it's mom or my grandmother, and it's not about it's well, I guess because you. I do, it's not about you I guess because I, I guess because I do the job, it, I take it a little bit more personal than you. Would. Right, but from a public policy perspective, public what we're policy. talking about here statewide, it's not about it's not about my my mom or my. Aunt. What's it about? It's about it's okay. About, it's, about, it's about public policy. Take my how, okay. Take my mother out of it. Take your mother out of it. Let's let's talk about the community. It's about how it's, we most. It's about saving lives. It's and what's the 
most efficient, effective way to save lives. That is having an right. adequate fire right. department. Right. What's right. Absolutely we're not going to have a fire station right. on what's every block. That's right. You know? What's the most efficient? I'm not that's advocating right. for that. So, so, yeah. so I think he's just saying there's, you know, there's a range. And, I mean, sometimes communities get stuck where they, they build a whole bunch of stations sometimes, and then development happens over here. Their stations are all in the wrong place. They need to close stations and consolidate and maybe oh, build new stations. Yeah, that's so, bad. That's not the fire. That's not the firefighters' fault. That's bad planning by the city, man. I mean, that's that's again. That's, we're talking about know, things that are beyond well, our at, control. Is well, what we do as a job. Con. I mean, look at what's going on down there. I mean, it's. Oh, we don't uh, talk about Foxconn. I mean, anyway. can we add? Can we add one thing though? Maybe we'd agree as timers <laughs> out that it is most about the most efficient, effective way. But within the constraints that we all have for 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 government or the private sector, whatever, there are dollar constraints. It's it is it's what's well, we, most efficient. Yeah, I, 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 I don't I don't disagree. We're not like trying we're not trying to price ourselves out of a job. I, I, I'm not saying that we need to have forty fire stations in the city of Madison. I'm just telling you there is. I mean it. And I take it I, I take it personal because I do the job, but I also take it personal because what we're doing is personal. We're dealing with people. Like we're trying to save the lives of people in every community. So it's not just it's not anecdotal. Well, it's not I, just data driven. It, it's actually how do we how do we do our jobs effectively? And how do how do I make sure that the men and women that I serve with on the fire department are also safe? When we responsible. As an elected official in a you know reasonably small village of thirteen thousand people, you know if uh, when we look at where we can possibly make cuts, I mean the, the place that is off limits is fire and police, basically. Why that is, is that? Because that's what people really. I mean, fire, police, and roads, you know, are pretty much what they're looking at us to do, you know. And fire and police are are just. If if you start talking to voters and knocking on doors, you know that, that it never even comes up the concept of let's you know cut fire response and and police right. response. I mean it, it's it is like the bedrock, the most essential thing I think that people look at local government for. Well, what is the role of government? I mean, what, I mean, what what is the government I supposed mean, to do? Uh, absolutely. So we're getting yeah. we're getting real broad here. Real <laughs> broad. Yeah. I uh, I just want to jump in. We've got about ten minutes left. I'm, I'm sure we could keep talking about this yeah, um, some more for the rest of the, the night. Well, I actually just wanted to um, ask you, you know, one final question, sort of to sum up, um, sort of where you stand on this. But and that question is, you know, really what what does the future of firefighting look to you um, from from your own personal experiences and your background and where you come from? And um, if you if there are also any sort of any major changes you see coming or things to the community could watch out for, you know, within their own municipality, what those might be? I mean, I think it's, I think the trends are probably going to continue that it's, it's less and less. It's already, it's already only 1% or 3% of calls are actually fighting fires. And I'm not saying the rest of stuff isn't important. It is important. It comes a question of how we do it most efficiently and effectively. But I would say the trends, the trends probably uh, continue that it's, um, that it's more of the other, other stuff rather than actually uh, fighting fires. You know, I, I I'm sorry, I interrupted No, go, I'm, I'm done. I should have sat in the middle between you two guys. <laughs> no, this is great. This is a great conversation. You know, I had this yeah, slide I wanted. I oh, had yeah, this, you can I, describe the slide. I had this slide I wanted to show everyone here. Yeah. And it is a man in California, I believe, or out west, that has on his shirt, it says, uh, Less government, less taxes, more freedom. His shirt says that. As he's shaking the hands with five firefighters, five, 
that saved his house from being overtaken by a wildland fire. So to me, it's just not, it, it's just, to me, it's just apropos. It's people always want less, 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 want to pay less until it actually personally affects them. Um, for me, I, I believe the fire service is... I don't own that t-shirt, by the way. It was not mine. It wasn't me. So it was I don't not him. This, I don't, it wasn't me. But it just, it, to me, it's just apropos as to what um, happens in society. And people don't want to pay. I pay a lot of taxes, too. I, I would love to pay no taxes, but it's just not a reality. And, and we talk about the role of government. Abraham Lincoln said it best. The role of government is to do for those what they can't do for themselves. You're not going to build your own fire departments for the most part. You're not going to build your own roads, your own schools for the most part, your own police departments. So it costs money. And I, and I don't think, I, I can speak for my union statewide. We're not in the business of trying to put ourselves out of business or trying to say we want contracts where we want to have more stations, more staffing, and we want to be paid millions of dollars. Yeah. But... We, we do want to be able to do our jobs effectively. And I think where we're moving to is where we need discussion and, and figure out the best way to do that. But I'll tell you, that, you know, the number one killer of firefighters uh, used to be actually going to a fire. We used to use, lose about 100 firefighters a year in a nation uh, to fighting fires. Uh, and then the number one, fight, uh, number one um, killer of firefighters was heart disease um, on the fire ground. Now the number one killer of firefighters is actually cancer, um, and occupational cancer from the cumulative effect of doing our jobs. And we lose about one firefighter a year in the state of Wisconsin due to cancer from going into burning buildings, actually the cumulative effect of going into these buildings and the off-gassing and the carcinogens being seeped into our bodies. So I, I don't ever want, want to sit in a place where we're saying, uh, that we can do more with less because that to me is physically and budget wise impossible to do. Maylon, my grandfather was a uh, firefighter. He was the chief of the fire department. He died of cancer. I don't know it had anything to do with whether he was a firefighter or not, but that's the reality of it. Uh, I'm, we're, I'm not arguing that uh, firefighting is not an essential component of government. It is. Government should provide safety for people uh, and, and fire protection. That is an essential function of government. Uh, I am Badger Institute in no way anti-government. Um, so uh, I just want to make that clear. Uh, it's just a matter of given trends uh, in, in society and how we do things, what is the most efficient and effective way. Um, what you do, I admire. I, I believe it is an essential function of government. No, it can't all be privatized, but it's it's um, it's not an affront to firefighters um, to look at uh, whether or not uh, things are being done the right way, not just in Madison, but elsewhere. I'm going to jump to David. Why don't you close us out? Tell us what we should be looking for in the well, future. Well, I, uh, you know, I. I'm thinking back to the past, actually, this this past summer, I was in California, and I went to a, a state park there, which is um, this ghost town of Bodie. It's like over on the eastern Sierras. It's a really well-preserved town from like, you know, the mid-1800s. And one of the buildings there is the fire station with the bell, you know, that they would ring to get everyone there when there was a fire. I mean, the schoolhouse and the fire station have been part of um, our towns and our culture um, for as long as there's been a, an America, United States, and other places. And I, I don't, I really don't see us ever being um, 
going to um, privatizing fire service. I just see I see fire service and and um, fire firehouse and the men and women who provide fire protection being part of um, our government, local government in the future. Um, you know, are, are there other models for looking at EMS in particular? Um, um, there probably are. I think it's always worthwhile to look at consolidation and other service models. But I, uh, like I said, I just don't. I don't see any essential change in that. Um, and communities of most sizes are going to want to have a firehouse and a, and a crew there. Well, thank thank you to all of you for being a part of this panel today, and thank you guys for coming and being at Captain's Idea Fest. We really appreciate it. Me and Mike are going to stay in talk some more. Yeah, so if you want to chat with them later, they're going to be here all night. So just join them up on stage. Thank you so much for listening to this special episode of The Mad Splainers. If you liked what you heard, guess what? The Cap Times is producing an entire podcast dedicated to bringing you audio from the Cap Times Idea Fest. It's called Live from Cap Times Idea Fest, and you can find it anywhere you find podcasts. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, The Works. The same goes for this show. Be sure to subscribe and to leave us a rating or a review. The Mad Splainers will be back in two weeks. Once again, I'm Eric Lawrenson, and I'll check you later. Thank you.